Finally, he sent him a personal note. He called the next day, and he was laughing. He said, Joe, that's the best note I've ever seen. What I wrote on the note was, I talked to God this morning. Why can't I get you on the line? So next up, we're going to have a fireside chat with Joe Williams, who is the founder of Keller Williams Realty with over 200,000 real estate agents in 64 countries. So we're going to go through some um, preset questions. We'll see if we get done in time to take one or two from the audience as well. But hope you enjoy this uh, short chat. Where are we? Anywhere we like. I appreciate you making me the co-founder. The founder. <laughs> I'm the co-founder. <laughs> co-founder. Just to make sure if that gets back to Austin. <laughs> right, right. Co-founder. One of the two founders. So, yeah, great. Happy to have you here. Excited about it. And um, I was talking with one of your partners last night, and he was talking about what I was mentioning earlier about so much of investing in business is about relationships. Um, so I wanted to start out really asking something I was curious about. Um, I know we have a couple planned questions, but I was just thinking this morning, what was the point in times with, with Keller Williams where things went from 20 miles per hour to 70 miles per hour? What was the, the thing or the asset you acquired or the, the big change that made, that made everything kind of shoot up at once? Or was it 20 things and you can't point to one, one thing? I can tell you, Richard, it, it was one thing for sure. Uh, we went out and got some coaching. I mean, well, I mean, the problem with most entrepreneurs is you know, you come up with a great idea or you formulate an idea in your head and then you go out there and it's working and everything's great, but you get this idea that you know better than other people how to go make it work. And we hired a gentleman, Bain Hinion. He was in Charlottesville, Virginia, great guy. And I think I've shared with some of you in the room the story. Bain basically came in, interviewed all 60. We only had 60 offices at the time. I mean, we're close to 1,000 offices now, so you could see where we were. And he comes in, he goes, I love y'all's ideas, but let me tell you something. You have no earthly idea what you're doing in franchising. And he was right. I mean, we really didn't know and hadn't really taken the time to stop and go, wait a minute, you know, because, hey, we know everything. We're entrepreneurs. And that was the turning point because he literally spent the next year with us teaching us that franchising was all about models and systems. And that's why McDonald's in Toulouse, France, is very much like McDonald's in Brooklyn. So we had to learn that lesson. But, but that was key for us, coaching, right. going out there and getting somebody and saying, we don't know everything. Hopefully it's why everybody's here, which right. you're the king of this with family offices. Right. I don't know about that, but like the sound of it. Um, you know, for me, like Brian Tracy, Eben Pagan, Jeffrey Gittimer, you know, Dan Sullivan, these were mentors to me and really coaches to me. And I, I can see how that's helped our business so much. Even so, though, uh, yesterday I was on the call with someone that we're on the board of, and they said they were bringing in a, a coach or a strategic consultant. And automatically my brain resists the idea a little bit, like maybe they're going to waste time, maybe they won't be effective. So working through a referral basis of someone who's had great results from a coach versus someone that has a nice website or persistent emails to you, et cetera, I think is one of the key, the key points for me, at least in hiring a coach. Um, you want any, any more comments on that before I move on to the next topic? Oh, I, I would just tell you, A, don't think you know it all. B, go find people smarter than you and get them inside your organization. Right, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so if you were to give away a, a million-dollar golden nugget 
to people here in the audience, something that you've learned and um, you think it would really help you know, a large percentage of people here, some idea, a mental model, an insight? What would you think would, would deliver a million dollars in value to a bunch of people here? It's an easy one for me, Richard. I call it the stable table theory. Okay. Go get a tabletop, stick one leg on it. You're not going to dance on it. Two legs on it, still not stable. Three legs, it's a stool, but you're not going to put your grandchild on it. Go build a table with four legs. And what do I mean? Every great enterprise, every great idea worth pursuing, generally distills down into four aspects. And that's what we learned about our business. In Texas, you know, I'm a native Texan, so football is a religion along with other religions. And what we teach, to have a good football team, you've got to have a good offense, good defense, good special teams, and a good coach. If you give me three of those things, I might win seven games, eight games, but I'm not going to win the championship. So if you take your business, if you take your family office, and you distill it down to the four critical aspects of what it takes to run it, it just makes it so simple to run things. And so, you know, for us, uh, the four aspects that we had are a lot of the same aspects that you have. You talked earlier about all of those guys in Vienna had a great vision. They knew exactly where they wanted to go. And for us as a company, it was exactly that. I mean, you know, I'm in an industry. It's not like the product we sell isn't something that any other realtor down the street can't sell. So for us, it was coming up with a vision that we could impart to the agents, and they got it just as much as we did. And so everybody was cohesively acting like they owned the place because the vision was so strong. Because we said, look, here's how we think agents and brokers can work together, and let's, let's make this our mantra. And they did. So for us, table, table leg number one is always vision. What do you want your family office to do? Yes, preservation of capital is important, but bringing up the next generation that vision can be multidimensional. There can be many things. But how well does everybody get it? And so any great company we, we studied, their vision was always the driving force. Second table leg for us <clears throat> was something that for almost everybody, every great company, was go get the best people. Just go get the best people. It's amazing. And that was the thing when Bain came, Richard. He spent, and in fact, I talked last time in Brooklyn. You know, we talked about how do you go find talented people. That was an art form. We didn't really know how to do that. I didn't know how you interview talented people, but he taught us that. So we were able to staff the operation, in our case, our franchise owners, with the absolute best talented people. Chick-fil-A does this all day long with their management group. I mean, I love it. But that was the second table leg, third table leg. For most companies, and this is the one they miss out on, I think, the most, and that is go create a culture where nobody ever wants to leave you. It's so hard to go get those talented people. Create a culture that's so cool inside your operation that nobody wants to leave. You know, allow them to grow. And so when I look at 
the very best companies. You know, we flew down here on Southwest Airlines, and I'm laughing because it's the most fun airline you can fly. I mean, we're walking on the plane, and the guy, the, the lady says, uh, keep in mind, if y'all would like first-class seats, just pick the blue one. Well, and y'all know, there are no first-class seats. So they're all blue. But I'm laughing because that's the culture at Southwest Airlines. And that's why their people don't leave. And then figure out what your fourth table leg is. And maybe it's going to be different for all of you. But for us, that's really the best thing we did. And we got everybody to understand it. They all understood what the four things were that drove it. And the rest didn't matter. It didn't matter. Right. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I think the way you described building a culture where no one wants to leave because it's such a cool place to work is a good example of an insight from the billionaires.com interviews we're doing where everyone's heard, oh, you have to build a great team. So you're like, okay, I've heard that, but maybe looking at it a different way or hearing it from you in person might make an impact on people here in the room. So definitely appreciate you sharing that. Um, if you haven't watched the new documentary on Netflix called Quarterback on Mahomes and a few other quarterbacks, really interesting how what most people might think are some grunts are running around in the field, but the mental models they have to build in their head of saying Twinkie hot dog, left swift, right wing, whatever, and they have to know what all that means made me realize, you know, related to football that talking about choke points, that's really simple compared to what these football guys are needing to memorize and then run around in the field. And you think of them as just athletes, but uh, so it was interesting to see that. Um, I'm just curious personally, have you just spoken publicly 10,000 times? So you're relaxed, you have a sense of humor, you obviously kind of enjoy it. Sometimes you'll come off the stage and walk around with a t-shirt with something, something funny written on it, which Sam Zell is famous for doing as well. Like, did you go to a speaking coach or you just did it 10,000 times so you've become comfortable with it and you enjoy it? Just done it 10,000 times. I'm just very comfortable with it. And, and I would say, look, for me, when you're raising kids, okay, you teach them love, you teach them hard work, you teach them a lot of those characteristics, but they're personalities that's set in the womb. And those of you that have multiple kids at home know exactly what I'm saying. For me, I got that gene. Okay, great. <laughs> great, great. Okay, so when you visit young people, what advice do you give them? Two things I would tell young people today. Number one, y'all are going to have to fix our politics. <laughs> yeah, we totally screwed it up. Sorry. Greatest generation came back from the war. I mean, my wife is here. Her dad, who I had a chance to meet, as they say, you don't pick your in-laws. You get what you get. Had a gentleman came back from the war, just an incredible man, farmer and a rancher. His generation built America. They got involved in school boards. They got involved in city councils. They got involved in their communities. Then we baby boomers came along, and guess what? It's all about me, all about me. And so what's happened is I tell the young people, politics has lost respectability. I need you all to go fix this. You're going to have to fix it. When I speak to kids in high schools today and I say, who wants to be president? Nobody raises their hand. They want to be Elon Musk. They want to be Richard Wilson. And would it be me? And I tell them, that's great, except we're a democracy. So that's the first thing I tell them. Second, second thing I tell them is three things will define your success coming out of college, whether you go to college or not. I don't care. Your determination, your ambition, and your ability to convey concepts and ideas to people. If you can master those three things, you're going to do well. 
So Arnold really talks about visualization. Like, did you co-found Keller Williams thinking, hey, we want to be in 64 countries with 200,000 agents and be the biggest real estate platform in the world? Or was it just, let's see what we can get done? Or like, at what point did that become the vision? Or how much did that drive forward your progress? That's a great question, Richard. Here's a line that was worth flying to San Francisco for. Innovation is seeing what everyone sees, but thinking what no one has thought. What Gary and I did was we sat down and said, there's a better way for real estate brokers and their agents to work together. We were telling our agents, you need to run your own business. You don't need to work under my brand. I'll be your coach and consultant to teach you how to do that. And so for us, it wasn't even about the money. We were just looking at how brokers and agents worked together and said, you know, there's, there's a better way to do this. Seeing what everyone had seen for 100 years in the real estate business and going, you know, we're just going to think about doing it differently. And when we did it, the idea took off and just ran. And so, yeah, we looked around one day and went, holy moly, as I, Phoebe's sitting in the audience and I'm at dinner in London with Phoebe. And the first country we sold was Vietnam. I'd never met the guy that we sold it to. But Phoebe and I were having dinner, and she's in Vietnam. I said, Phoebe, do you ever see any KW signs in Vietnam? She looks at me and goes, they're everywhere. I'm like, they're everywhere? <laughs> and so that's exciting for us to see that an idea that was a very simple idea. And by the way, I'm loving Patrick's message about you can use plants to go cure cancer. It doesn't have to be chemo. It doesn't have to be big, massive pharma. That, to me, is a classic example of looking at something and seeing something that no one else has seen. So that's how it started out. And, yeah, now it's just it's a freight train. Right. right. Awesome. Well, I love that part of what made you take off is the structure of how you work with other real estate agents. We talk about structure a lot in our investor club here. And we didn't until two, three years ago. It took us 13 years running the club for some reason to figure out that that was really core of what makes something different, successful, aligned, makes it a win-win for everybody. Uh, in our medical clinic capital division, we have minority equity stakes now in 24 medical practices, and it's because of structures, and that's really what's allowing us to take off in the medical space there. So you could definitely relate to that. Appreciate you mentioning that. Um, okay, so you've said that real estate's an investment that is one characteristic that's different than any other type of investment. What would you say that is, and can you just elaborate a little bit on it? It took me 20 years to figure it out, Richard. The beauty of real estate versus stocks or bonds or anything else that's out there is Real estate's a very learnable investment. It, it, it's not a secret. The things that drive value in real estate are generally public data that you can get your hands on. What a city's thinking, jobs, supply and demand, where are the utilities, what are, what's happening with the schools, all of that can be data that you can find and you can learn from. Now, Grant, all real estate is local. So if you're in Houston, Texas, and you can go find a real estate broker who really knows what they're doing, they're worth their weight in gold because they can assimilate all of that data. That's what's exciting about AI now is that we can assemble a lot of the data faster. However, real estate is a street business. You learn it by doing it. I mean, I have a degree in real estate from the University of Texas, and like I tell friends, that and five bucks gets me a cafe mocha because you have to learn it by being in the community and doing it. So 
it's it's just learnable and the the things that back up its value you can go find out about versus tesla stock where everybody's buying evs and yet at the same time i'm looking at them going okay eight years later when i have to replace the battery i mean what's the story and no one seems to pay attention maybe it's just me but you know real estate's not like that you can predict it and you can figure out where it's going Right, right. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, what is one really expensive lesson learned that maybe you could share with the audience so that they don't have to learn that same lesson through going through it? Um, what would you share on that? Go learn how to hire talent. Biggest issues we ever had inside the company were when we hired the wrong person. When Bain sat down with us and took us through the 10 steps to hire talented people, and by the way, it's excruciating to go through the whole thing. He told us, don't leave any of those steps out. And what was interesting is, before he even starts that process, he takes you through a 30-minute exercise on the cost of a bad hire. Now, if you've never gone through that exercise, I mean, you ever hired a bad manager and they were there for six months and they did all their damage, and then you finally let them go and you realize, oh, my God, that was expensive. Look at what they cost us. He has that in a little 30-minute exercise. And he, he makes us do that first before he then teaches us the 10 steps. It's scary how much it costs to hire that bad person. And when I look at the mistakes we've made, it always was about leadership. Right. I've heard that the uh, most expensive mistake can be hiring uh, the wrong person, and the second most expensive is not firing them quickly. Right. Hire slow, fire fast. And don't hire your friends. Don't hire because of loyalty. Hire because of performance. Right. I think it's also, uh, we've found, to reward people based on their performance and alignment consistently, not just based on number of years they're in the company. Right. It's not like, oh, you survived here a few years, let's double your salary, et cetera. It's more about getting results done, obviously. Um, so a lot of people here in the room are trying to work with ultra-wealthy families, maybe looking for a big co-GP partner that might be publicly traded. It might be somebody in the public eye like yourself that's accomplished big things. You probably have people emailing you and texting you constantly, uh, trying to get on your calendar, trying to show you an idea, wanting to partner on this or that. So I think to hear directly from you, what makes a difference on like whose email do you decide to respond to? Like what, what type of messaging, what type of an approach, what would be a, a strategy or a template that everyone here in the room, whether an investor or someone running a business or a platform could use to get more friends like Joe Williams and actually get people to engage with them a bit more often? Here's what I will tell you. There's two traits that I've learned about very successful people or people who are going to be very successful. Number one, they stay in the curiosity. They don't think they know it all. They're always constantly reading. I love coming to Richard's events. He always spends the first 15 minutes going, here's all the information, things you need to be doing. Pay attention to your health. Go go learn from these people. What was it? Charlie Tremendous Jones. I don't know if y'all ever heard the guy speak. He was great. He always said most important things in life are the books you read and the people you meet. Today, that would be the book you read would be the Internet what you get out of it, and the people you meet by coming to events like this. Second thing I've learned is this. Talent will push you. Okay? And what do I mean? What I mean is when someone's trying to get a hold of me and it's been the fourth time that they're, that they're calling and they're calling and they're calling, well, guess what? you got a talented person on the line and they're going to push you. And by the way, 
what Richard said about relationships is so important. Relationships, to me, is the capital that you use to build your career. And being able to make the contact, coming to events like this, yeah, it's great to Zoom, but I thought it was hilarious Zoom is even telling everybody come back to the office. How ironic is that? But it's not ironic. It's all about relationships. I was, I, I've laughed, I've told my agents, we've got a new secret weapon that we use now to get a hold of everybody. Are you ready for this? It's called a personal letter. Because when you think about it, the only time you get a personal letter, uh, letter is going to be a wedding invitation or somebody's right or a baby announcement. That's it. I was trying to get a hold of Jeff Metzger, who was the CEO of the KB Homes in Los Angeles. Could not get Jeff to answer his phone. He had a great gatekeeper. Finally, he sent him a personal note. He called the next day. And he was laughing. He said, Joe, that's the best note I've ever seen. What I wrote on the note was, I talked to God this morning. Why can't I get you on the line? <laughs> I'm sure at least one person here is going to use that. There yeah, that's great. That's awesome. I think that uh, one thing that gets missed by people early on in our community is they think by coming here and going around and saying, I've got the most amazing deal. You've never seen terms this good. The returns are better than anything else. It's similar to someone, even if you're in the market to buy a Rolex or a Tesla, if someone comes up to you at the airport and you're trying to get to your flight and they grab your arm and try to sell you a Rolex, even if you're in the market, you don't want to talk to them right now. Uh, there's no relationship. There's no contact. Join the Family Office Club by visiting familyoffices.com. We look forward to seeing you at our next live event.